All right, Bob, what do you find to be the biggest story of the day here on this Tuesday morning? Well, it's a good question. I think, first of all, it and it will only accelerate from here, but the the Super Bowl hype cycle slowly starting to wind up. You know, it's only day one of a almost two week wait, but uh, there were a few things that came out yesterday on that. Um, do you find yourself getting wrapped up into that? Because for me, I you used to used to do that, and like, oh man, like when you're younger and you really love sports and you can't wait for these games, you're like. Two weeks, this is crazy, but then, you know, like some point in college, finally hit me like, hey, just completely ignore it for a week. And that's kind of how it goes with me now. Like, Super Bowl gets set, conference championships are over, and then I don't think about it for another week, kind of, is the way it goes. It'd probably be good. I, I don't think it's kind of what you were talking about in the first segment. The media doesn't help that along, though. They they keep pushing stuff out, and particularly on social media, too. You know, there's... We could probably spend a segment talking about ticket prices. We touched about on that yesterday, but it's just you know the, the headline there is they just they're high and they continue to go higher in just a day or two. Um, What's the most you would spend on a ticket? If your team was in the Super Bowl, would you would you be willing to drop that money to go see them? I guess you've seen the Colts win a Super Bowl at least in your lifetime. I don't know. I, I doubt you were there in the building I, I when wasn't. they beat the Bears, but like. Is there any sporting event that you would pay thousands of dollars for? Um, uh, Don't I, say a Purdue National Championship game. No, no, I wasn't because that won't happen. Um, I would say it'd have to be the right scenario. Like, okay, the year that they had the Super Bowl in Indianapolis, which is where I grew up, if the Colts were in that Super Bowl somehow, I would have paid. I might have paid a couple thousand bucks okay. tops, yeah. tops, not eight thousand, not sure, you know. Sure, sure. But uh, but it have to be a scenario like that, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it just depends on the situation. If it were, you know, well, I didn't go. You know, Colts were in Miami. Uh, that I was like, I'll watch on TV. As a Chiefs fan, it's surprising. Or I'm not a Chiefs fan. Let me say, <laughs> but like, it's surprising to see like Chiefs fans have these prices still so expensive. Now, Vegas is a party. The Super Bowl is a party. So, like, I don't know how much this is actually driven by, like, fan demand versus just, like, you know, these are the prices we set because we anticipate people are going to buy them because I always got to push back a little bit on these stories of tickets are listed for this. Okay, yeah, but are they selling? Like, is anybody buying them yet? As StubHub said, yeah, people are buying $10,000 tickets, $8,000 tickets. Maybe. And like I said, it is in Vegas. It is the Super Bowl. But, like, if you're the Chiefs, how do you not have a little bit of the Alabama thing going where, like, hey, you kind of have seen this a couple times. Like, you saw it literally last year. Right. It's not like you've been waiting your whole life to see your team win a Super Bowl. You saw it last year. Now, the 49ers, I get a little bit more, right? Like, they, a proud franchise, won some Super Bowls in the 90s and, you know, haven't really been back in at least one since then. You know, they came up short twice. So, maybe, maybe there are some 49ers fans there, like, really – hoping to break through, but it's not like the Buffalo Bills. It's not the Cleveland Browns. Like It's not Detroit Lions fans. Like If Detroit was in the Super Bowl and you told me these were the prices, I'd be like, okay, yeah, it makes sense. These people have been waiting their whole life for success. 49ers fans, they, they had some. Like there, there are no 50-year-old men that didn't see their team win a Super Bowl. I saw them win a Super Bowl. I don't really remember it, but I saw it. I'm only 33, so like, I mean, if you're 50, you definitely remember it. With the Chiefs, there's not even like a three-year-old kid out there that doesn't remember watching this team win a Super Bowl last year. So the ticket price has been a little surprising to me from that standpoint. 
And I don't know if maybe it's maybe it's a Midwestern thing because while you were saying all that, I think about when I'm down in Florida at spring training, uh, where we usually go in Florida. It's uh, the St. Louis Cardinals train down there, mm-hmm. and it is unbelievable. And it's just spring training. It's unbelievable how many fans come now. Of course, weather's nicer, but it's. I'm wondering if it's a Midwest thing too. You know, where there's less to do. Um, so they get even more wrapped up in their teams, you know, it's it, because it is it is hardcore. You you can't get tickets for a Cardinal spring training game um, because the and it's because the Cardinal fans do a takeover all the time. Do Yankees fans do the same like down in Florida? I mean, I know a lot of Yankees fans go down and a lot of Yankee fans live in Florida, you know, because of relocation. So. I didn't know if that would be a because obviously New York's not in the Midwest, but I just wondered if it was like a not well it, the same type of demand. That's a good question. I, I'm not sure. It, it'd be interesting to see where they train at because, but when the when the Yankees or the Red Sox come to Jupiter to play the Cardinals or the Marlins or the teams that train down there, yeah, it's standing room only. Yeah. So so for a one off game, yes, absolutely, it is absolutely mobbed. You can't get near it. But uh, I don't know in terms of their home stadium, but I'm, I'm sure you're right. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, seasonal people down there that just come down for four to six months. There's some people who have retired from the East Coast that live there full time, um, and they yeah they love their East Coast sports too. Would your answer have been different if I asked you this when you were 25? About spending thousands of dollars for a sporting event, like has it, has it have you gained perspective and just like ah, it doesn't really matter being in the stadium as much, and you know the money saving it and spending it elsewhere matters more than being at the game because I imagine you know like I talked about in 2020, like I would have paid the six thousand dollars to go watch the Titans in the Super Bowl probably. I don't know if I would do that moving forward. I got really caught up in that first taste of success the Titans had had in a while. I don't know if my answer would be the same. I think if Tennessee was in a national championship, I would make sure I had tickets there. Still, now maybe my answer becomes different a little bit later in life. I don't know. So I'm asking you, like, was your answer the same at 25 as it is now in terms of your stipulation to spend thousands of dollars on your team? I'd probably be more excited about it, but I also wouldn't have the means. Sure. That's that's the difference, yeah. you know? Well, yeah, I think it's just a priorities thing because, I mean, I wouldn't have necessarily had the means in 2020, but I was like, ah, you know what, uh, I don't have to do this, this, and this this year. I can pay my taxes. Ah, who cares? We don't pay our taxes. We'll just go to the Super Bowl instead. I was, I got to tell you, I was so fired up. Um, what was the year? So was it was it 2010 that Tennessee got to the Elite Eight? That would have been 2000, uh, yeah, 10. Yeah. Final Four was in Indianapolis. Right. And I was like – we were in Florida for spring break watching that, well, first the Ohio State game, then the Michigan State game. And uh, in my mind, because uh, I just thought Tennessee was going to beat Michigan State, I, I really was convinced of that. And I was like, man, I'm going to Indy for the Final Four. There is no question I'll pay whatever it takes. And that damn Draymond Green. Yeah. Ugh, that was hard. That was hard. But, uh, yeah, for, for me, for some reason, it's uh, maybe because I know it's an easy travel plan, but it's like, Whenever it's going to be a big event, like and it, one of my teams would be in my hometown, I'm I'm down. It's happening, you know. But uh, when they go somewhere else, like if Tennessee goes to the Final Four in Scottsdale, are you going to try to go? Yeah, no, I mean, see, I'm still at the age where I do it, and I can also kind of justify it in my mind of like, you know what, all these trips, I just 
write them off as business expenses because we come and talk about it on the show and I do it, you know, with on other platforms and it's a part of my job. So I'm like, yeah, you know, spend four thousand dollars. It kind of sucks, but it's a business expense. It's a job. Got to, you know, maybe sell some advertising to go do it and this and that. But I mean, last year I was in New York City. I went to New I York City that, for the yeah. Sweet Sixteen. How'd you like the garden? First time I'd been to the garden, I mean, I thought it was cool to be in there. I mean, I don't know if I would say it was special or anything, like, but it was. It did feel cool to be there and be like, oh, this is what they call the most famous arena in the world. Yeah, like, just the history of it's great, but it's yeah, it's it needs a little. And I've done some modifications, but it's they're never going to be able to get it to the level of some of these new arenas. I remember liking the lighting. I mean, the lighting of the court and everything I thought was unique. I mean, compared yeah. to like in. in Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center. I mean, the lights uh, is something I noticed, but the rafters were cool, like all the things they had hanging up. I'm glad I went. I wish we'd have won, but I, I still haven't been able to turn down spending hundreds of dollars on my team whenever they're playing a big game. I, I haven't gotten to that part of life yet. I'm not married, have no kids, so that helps. Because it's not you know, really only have to worry about myself. Yeah. So that changes, you know, priorities. Sam, you're at the age where you could just, you know, if you have to, just take out a couple credit cards. Yeah, exactly. You're just establishing credit. Just take a, sign up for a couple of those credit cards and just establish some credit. And, you know, seven years from now, you'll thank yourself. Like, oh, wow, I'm glad I opened up that credit card. Now my oldest credit line's seven years. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Didn't go that way for me, but <laughs> but go ahead, Sam. <laughs> to be honest, watching the Super Bowl in person is like one of my least desirable sporting events I would want to go to, even if the Titans were playing in it. Say that again. Watching the Super Bowl in person is one of like my most least desirable sporting yeah. sporting events I want to go. Why to. so? I just I don't know. I, I really don't enjoy it. like it feels more of like a theatrical performance than a like corporate a football. Event. Yeah, yeah. It a feels corporate, like a corporate event, event. I think yeah. is what you're looking for. I don't for. think it's like the environment necessarily that like you would want out of a like I would rather spend my money on a Tennessee national championship than a Titans Super Bowl to go to. The AFC championship game in Kansas City felt like the way football is supposed yeah. to feel like the Super Bowl would have felt weird. It'd been Half the stadium would have been corporate people and just people there for sponsorships and all of that. I feel like. I mean, I've never been to one, but I don't necessarily disagree. But I do think I would have paid just to go. Probably would have regretted it. And then by the time they will out the halftime performance and it's 45 minutes and like you're sitting there with all the commercial breaks and stuff, you probably would feel like, man, this is... Uh, not that fun. And then if you lose, you really hate yeah, yourself. Yeah. Maybe that's the issue. It's like, man, if I pay $5,000 for this ticket and we lose, mm-hmm. I feel like the biggest idiot around. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. A national championship in, in college, I think, would, would get me to still pay. And those yeah. ticket prices aren't near as bad. Like, you can get in basketball national championship. I mean, they play in such big arenas. Like, last year in the Final Four in national championship, you could be in there for a couple hundred bucks still. But up in the very top. But just to say you went. So, go ahead. No, I was going to say, take it past the Super Bowl or National Championship. Have you guys ever gone to any of the other kind of, uh, we'll call them bucket list events, you know, whether it's the Masters, whether it's uh, Indy 500 or the or Daytona or... Um, yeah, no, I don't think I have been to any of those. Like, usually, usually I'm just going to watch my teams play. So, I mean, like, I went to an AFC Championship. That was kind of cool. Went to the I've been to the tournament, you know, many times when Tennessee's been in it. Went to the SEC championship when Tennessee's been in it, but never, never a playoff game in college football. Never a national championship, obviously. NASCAR, I went and tailgated for Bristol, but didn't go into the actual race. The Masters would be at the top of my list, probably yeah. for the rest of my life as well. 
that's top of my list. Um, I've done Kentucky Derby, and Kentucky Derby is such a misleading thing, really iconic. But man, you have got to be situated in the right place there. Or it's a it's a horrible experience. Hmm. Or be really drunk, I would say. Yeah. Like be yeah. on the infield with the uh, people would be real drunk. Yeah, maybe would be the way to do that. I remember going to the Derby once where um, we. We had this big setup with, uh, and I don't know if well, there's no way you remember him way back when, but he was a it was a pretty prominent uh, morning DJ in Los Angeles, Rick Dees. Mm. Uh, anyway, he is from Kentucky originally, and he has this farm in Danville, Kentucky, and he had this big event. I got invited to my wife and I did where you go and you know it was a nice weekend, and then he was busing everybody to Louisville for the Derby, and it's like, oh, this sounds great, you know, and you got to dress for you know dress to impress at the Derby, and so we're all dressed up. We get there, and we were part of the lower tier of the attendees that were going along because we were put like in some kind of bleacher seats on the outside, under no cover. It was like ninety degrees, and. And you're dressed like I'm in like, you know, suit and tie and, and I'm just I finally I ended up watching the race in the food court because it was air conditioned, <laughs> you know, because it was that miserable. My wife was miserable. It was like and then we 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 had another we had another, uh, if, you know, instance there where it was total opposite and it was wonderful. And I don't ever want to go again because <laughs> then at least we kind of made it right. But yeah, it, it was, it was rough. Yeah. It's one thing to go to the Kentucky Derby and be outside and deal with the mud and the bugs and the heat. It's another thing to do that while wearing a big goofy hat or like a polyester suit and a <sighs> suit and tie because you have to look nice too. Like that does seem like it would be a little counterproductive, I guess, or, you know, the juxtaposition there is kind of funny. And I was so thankful the second time around we were indoors and, uh, and it was pouring rain that day, and it was like God, those poor those poor folks who uh, who are outside, and a lot of them, like you said, John, they don't care because it's a big drunk for a lot of people. I went to SummerSlam when it was in Nashville. That was about it, though. But and they do that in Titans Stadium, whatever they, did. they call yeah. it. Yeah. They did that in uh, Titans Stadium, which whenever you tell me that you don't want to go to the Super Bowl, it kind of I'm having to make a decision within two weeks about my Titans tickets, and like a part of the reason I'm thinking about keeping the season tickets is like, oh, you might get Super Bowl tickets when it comes. But I'm like, do I even want to go? But I'm like, no, but I probably want to sell them. What about like Final Four though? When it comes to there? Final Four and like, WrestleMania, yeah. like those things would come. Some big concerts, you keep your seats for those. So like, at least get the rights to buy, you know, some tickets. So like maybe it's expensive to renew the the season tickets. Yeah, it's very though, expensive at the, new, at the new stadium, right? Like yeah, it's going to be. They haven't told you the exact. They haven't said the exact price, but okay. yeah, it's going to be expensive. I guess we were talking about cultural events in the Super Bowl, though. I did see Taylor Swift at, in her tour, so that was kind of yeah. That was a, a event you'll think about. It's a biggie. Yeah, yeah. How much would you pay to go to the Masters? How much did I pay? How, how much would you pay? Um, a lot. Even if you, could- I think that's the most beautiful place on planet Earth. Yeah, even if you could get to, because I've had friends who have done this, they haven't made it to the Masters, but they go to the par three, you yeah. know, that whole thing. Would I mean, even that, you'd jump at that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. any day. Any day, I, you, would, I would get in there. You said that was on your bucket list. How much would you pay to go to the Masters? Is there a number that you would buy in? Because, I mean, you can't even really, you can't buy resale tickets there, right? I mean, like, like people don't really do that. I mean, I, there might be some, I guess, you can get your hands on, but I, 
it's not really something you think of often with them. It's funny because I say it's a bucket list thing, and then I never make any effort to go <laughs> yeah. do it. Right? I would love to go if someone just gave me tickets yeah. and drove me, and I was there. I don't want to actually have to put in any work for it. Yeah, I would. I don't know. I'd spend a little money on it uh, because you know it's what's crazy, and you've probably heard this. Once you get in there, everything else is cheap. Yeah, you know the food's cheap. Everything. I mean, it's it's really about finding a place to stay and then access to the event itself, but. I'd spend a little money. I don't know. You know, I mean, it depends on what day it would be. Yeah. You know, that's the other thing. If it's Saturday or Sunday, uh, it's going to be pricey. Uh, but I'd, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe a thousand bucks for okay. a day. Maybe. I'd spend a thousand easy for the Masters. Yeah. Well, start saving your money for the Tennessee Final Four, boys. I'll meet you there. Okay. Sam, send us to break. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Do you guys ever think, you know, at least in this first month of the show, do you guys ever just take a moment and reflect and think that you might be sitting across from the best sports mine in Knoxville? Oh, my God. It's nice you guys to say. <laughs> oh, you don't mean me. You saw the point spread came out yesterday, the line. I told you guys, 13 and a half. 13, 13 and a half is what I said. <laughs> what did it come out at, Sam? What did it open up as? 11 and a half. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's what you said. Open up at 13 and a half, and it's actually gone up since then. It's up to 14 and a half, I believe, now. So people really buying Tennessee and buying Tennessee at home. You know, with the, the success that Rick Barnes has had inside the Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center. Tennessee doesn't really lose there. They don't. But I'm going to say, we talked about it in the break. If you take the heart out of it and just as a better, I think South Carolina, that, that plus 14 and a half is interesting. It doesn't mean I, Tennessee's going to win this game. I have no concern about that. But I just think the way they play from everything we're hearing, you know, they again, they slow it down. Tennessee did a great job against Vanderbilt of countering that after the first half because Fandy did the same thing, but tried to take the air out of the ball a little bit. But I think. South Carolina is much, much better team than Vanderbilt. Yeah, we'll see if South Carolina could take the air out of the ball and slow Tennessee down. The metrics do think it's more of an 11-point game, 12-point game, so like the 14.5 is a little bit inflated. Like I said, public perception of Tennessee, especially at home, this run Dalton Connect is on is, is inflating that a bit. I think you're right. But also, the last time Tennessee played in Knoxville, they beat Alabama by 20 points. And the time before that, they beat Florida by 19 points. So, both teams better than South Carolina. Or, I'll take that back. Alabama's better than South Carolina. South Carolina's probably better than Florida. Maybe a little. Maybe they're comparable, but I would say I'd give South Carolina the edge there. But they're close enough. But the last two times you saw Tennessee play in Knoxville, they dominated. The last time you saw Tennessee play on Saturday night... They dominated the second half. They, you know, they beat that Vanderbilt team by what, like 18 in the second half? Yes. So, like, this team is good, and this team has been good at burying people. They aren't winning close in, you know, whenever they do win. You go back to the old Miss game, of course, same thing happened there. So, Tennessee has been really good at home, and I think people know that. 
And sometimes that means more than what the numbers say should happen. So I don't know if I agree with you in terms of thinking South Carolina covers. I'm not taking Tennessee to cover. I'm not betting on this game. Yeah. I'm not advocating for taking the Vols. But I would be nervous, you know, at any moment that the floodgates open and Tennessee runs South Carolina out the building as well. That could happen. It's Is it just me or it feels like when I look at South Carolina's projected starting five, Michi Johnson 6'2", Talon Cooper 6'4", B.J. Max are big at 6'8", and then 6'6", 6'7", in the front. It just feels like Tennessee. a lot of the teams in the SEC are kind of built that way right now is what I'm seeing. Now, Georgia had a big guy. Mississippi State had Tolu Smith. But I guess maybe I'm thinking some of the recent games we've played, they're, they're just more guard-centric. That's what I'm seeing across the league right now. Well, I mean, I, Tennessee, could, you could say the same thing about them. Had Jonas Adu not you know, developed and became True. this force, like – if all of a sudden you're saying like he's not locked down the starting spot or not getting you know 30 minutes a game, you'd be like, oh, Zakai Ziegler, 5'10", Santiago <laughs> Vescovi, 6'3". And you start looking around and Josiah James is your four at 6'5", or 6'6", whatever he is. And and then you'd be looking completely different. So like if you remove Jonas from that, Tennessee wouldn't be in much better shape. True. Um, yeah. I think Owaka stands at what, like 6'8"? Six, 6'8". Eight? Six, eight. Yeah. Yeah. That could be what Tennessee looks like next season, right, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Adu is ready to like leave early. I hope not. Yeah, I mean, I, I, would, I would be shocked if that was the case. I would imagine he will be one of Tennessee's biggest priorities in terms of locking down him and making him happy nil wise, and making it make sense for him to come to you know come to play, come back to play. He doesn't seem like a top you know level NBA prospect, but I do think the way he has played recently. Gives me hope that he could be an NBA type of player. I mean, Kyle Alexander's making some money in the G League. I mean, he's got a shot, and I think Jonas has shown more this year than than Alexander ever really did in college in terms of having an offensive game. I agree with that. While also being a pretty solid rim defender. Quick digression when we talk about NIL money, and I heard this through one of my back channels. Maybe you guys have heard the same or something that uh, is contradictory to it. Who do you think is has got the biggest NIL deal on the basketball team? I would imagine it's Zakai. But, I mean, I guess at this point, you know, Connect, I have seen him on a couple commercials. But Zakai would have been my guess just because of of the the standing with the team and kind of being the fan favorite. Do you have different information? Yeah, and I'm hearing just NIL money because this this person I don't see doing anything. And it's, I've heard it's Freddie. Really? Huh. Yeah. So I guess that might be more of an inducement that uh, Tennessee was able to promise him some money to come to Tennessee last year halfway through the season. Interesting. Yeah, yeah and I and it's a pretty good source and a, a good source. And I, I would say that uh, that's going to be interesting because again, someone who's got had that much interest in him from a team to come join them. Time to get the scissors out. Yeah. Trim some fat. Let's, let's reallocate some of that money to some transfers next year. I just wonder. Yeah, and I just wonder if Freddie's looking at it from a playing time standpoint, too. And it's like, man, I don't know if this is for me. This is uh, – it's going to be interesting. I mean, I don't know. It depends on how good the check is. It depends how, you know, good the contract is. Or, you know, like if it's a four-year agreement for that money or, or what. Because, you know, if you're telling me he's got the most NIL money on the team, and if that is the case – 
I would imagine that gets you into six figures, right? I mean, I imagine it's two hundred thousand dollars or so. I mean, maybe one hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. I, I don't know, but like, if I'm him, yeah, the playing time would be nice, but it's not like I'm going to get more money to go elsewhere. So I'll, I'll take my chances developing, and I'm still young. And I think that matters for Freddie too, right? Like, I mean, he was an early enrollee, so I mean, he's technically should be in his freshman year. And it, it, it makes some sense, you know. At first blush, you would think, "Oh, Connect's got to be up there," but he's—we know he's only going to be here for a year, and he, of course, he got some money. Um, but it's like, the, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, that, know, that's why I said Zakai because Connect. I mean, you—you you were competing against teams for him. Now I don't remember exactly who was in the transfer portal competing with you. Was Kentucky on that list? Was Kentucky trying to get Connect? Indiana thought they were going to get Indiana. Him. That's right. That's right. Do- yeah, yeah, that's right. I don't know if Kentucky's on that list or not, but Indiana was on that list. Yeah. Um, and Tennessee, reportedly, from what I'd heard and people around the program and, and people that talked to people around the program, Tennessee did outbid Indiana for Dalton Connect. Like, it, it feels good to hear Dalton talk about, like, hey, I love Vaughn Nation. Uh, uh, my hero's Kevin Durant. So it's nice to think, like, hey, that was – the reason he came to Tennessee, but I was also told like Tennessee was the highest bidder when it came to him versus us versus Indiana. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, it was a, a huge offer because like Bob said, it's one year. It's a guy from Northern Colorado. Yeah. You might've thought like, Hey, you could come here and be a contributor, but I don't think anybody at Tennessee thought he was going to come here and be this right. Like no one thought he was going to come here and be the sec player of the year or a guy that's on a, historic scoring pace, not only just for your school, but for the SEC in general. I think if you ask Rick Barnes what he thought, it's like, hey, this is a guy that's going to stretch the floor, and if we get 12 or 13 points a game out of him, that's a big win. If he gives us another a ball handler with size, that's a win. A starter, yeah, but a guy that's going to play 25 minutes and do these things. I would imagine that's what they thought whenever they were recruiting him from Northern Colorado because, let's face it, he averaged what there? Like his stats at Northern Colorado weren't like anything special. I mean, he was a he was a, a scorer. I think he he led the Big Sky. I thought I remember hearing that in scoring, but it was yeah. it was like twenty a game. Yeah, I mean, it was twenty it was, a game. Well, it was also like he was like second team. Yeah. all conference. Right. It was twenty points a game, and it was against that level of competition. And he's come to Tennessee and been better than that. Right. Absolutely. I, I think like you. I think everyone would be conditioned to say, hey, st- stepping up a level, you know, and, and, and competition is going to bring your points down to, like I said, probably that 12 to 13 point range. Not stay consistent or actually get better. I'm looking through, like, his game log last year at Northern Colorado. He has four games so far, Sam, with 30 points at Tennessee. How many do you think he had last year at Northern Colorado? Three. Two. I believe the answer is three. Let me see here. Maybe it's two. Hold on. 31, 31, 32, and 34. Yeah, so three. Good job by you, Sam. Thanks. Now, you did have Bob a 29-point game. Two of those. Yeah. Not 30. Did he have a 40-point game ever at college? He didn't have a 40-point game. No, his his career high, or at least his high last year. I'm not going to go back to the year before, but his high was 34. That was one of my favorite questions that uh, I think Jonas Adu asked him that, yeah. like in that post game. He was like, "You know, you've been around like <laughs> forty great. points a game. Are you ever going to get there?" <laughs> Next question, he said. Like I said, that that man, that is so awesome. Just because that, 
You know what I mean? It's like if any players were begrudging him, they wouldn't be there. Right. You know, they would they'd be back in the locker room or doing. You know, they're all there giving him grief. I loved it. It was it was fantastic. I'll also say it's probably pretty easy for Jonas to do that too because Jonas is taking a huge step up right. as the second best player, and I think connect and connect spacing and connects ball handling and playmaking and and, and you know the, the way he sucks up a defense. Pause. It has opened things up for Jonas to be better himself. So it's nice for Jonas to be doing that, but it also makes a lot of sense. They appear to be particularly tight, too. If yeah. I watch them when I'm at the game in the arena, and they do a lot of you know chest bumping and you know bro hugging and everything, and it's those two specifically a lot. The stuff with Mayshack yesterday and Coach Clark and his him talking about Dalton and Mayshack's relationship, I thought was really cool. Did you see any of that? Saw a little of it, yeah. I was, I was, I watched some of that. I was paying attention to what Clark had to say about South Carolina, but yes, I saw that. It was good. Yeah, he was talking about, you know, on his recruiting visit, they just laced him up and played some one on one, and and how they do that still constantly now after practice, and how you know, it is a asset to have Mayshack at Tennessee. Obviously, whenever you're trying to shut down Brandon Miller, you're trying to shut down Sears, or or you know maybe. Sam's boy Reeves this weekend, but it's also nice in practice, you know, connect to be practicing every day against one of, if not the best perimeter defender in the country. Like if you could score on Meshack consistently, you're probably going to be able to score against anybody in the SEC. And I thought that was cool that they still get after it and, you know, make each other better. And then it was cool to see Meshack's, I believe, mom weigh in and be yeah. like, yeah, he called me after the after Dalton's visit. I was like, yeah, we're going to get him. This guy's a beast. He just cares about ball, and all he wants to do is hoop, and he's just like us, and he's going to come here. And, of course, that's what happened. And She's, hoop he has done. Meshack's mom's turned out to be a cool follow on social yeah, media. Yeah, she's a really good follow on Twitter. Yeah, great stuff. I, I talked about it earlier in the year, but Meshack's family's online. If you talk about <laughs> Meshack, they will find it and give you a like. So yeah. I only have good things to say about him because he is a player that you really only have good things to say about. Like, yeah. he is he is what you want as a fan of a, of your team. Like, he's the type of player, the, the gritty glue guy that's going to be a bulldog on the perimeter playing defense. Not going to really complain about shots and touches. Just going to go out there and play as hard as he can. And every point he gets almost feels like house money. Like, like if, you, if you swapped out his offensive numbers with Josiah Jordan-James, we'd be like, that's okay. That's all right. We don't really need you to score any points. We don't really need you to shoot. Just go out there and play the defense. Instead, he's been you know more of a consistent scorer than Josiah Jordan-James. And, and, and James, of course, has been the one that's drawn our ire. But, yeah, I thought that was really cool with Meshack and Connect. And, and then, like you talked about after the game, Jonas and Connect. And it does seem like the team, you know, kind of realizes who the who the go-to guy on the team is now. Yeah, and back to Meshack for a quick second. He's as good a representative of that program as yeah. you're going to find. The RTI guys say that, that, that he's just such a such a joy to hear from, interview, just carries himself with so much class. And, um, and also, if, also, if you're Rick Barnes, that's a guy that's going to be here four years. Yeah, that's absolutely. Going to represent it and represent like the college athlete well as as well. Definitely. We Definitely. might need to ask Coach Polinski what the the all time record is on the Connect that and Mayshack, uh one on one records. Yeah, jot that down, <laughs> Sam. You uh, you can ask that okay. on Thursday. But also need to give a shout out to Santi because Santi also in his media availability is like, look, at this point in my career, talking like an old man as a yeah, yeah. college player but like at this point in my career man all I want to do is win he's like I don't care about stats blah 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 and I do think there's probably a lot of truth to that with Santi and you hope there's a lot of truth to that with Josiah as well like both those guys have 
had their moments of scoring and being, you know, lead dogs and doing all these things and getting accolades, but they came back to school to try to win and, and do something special. And, like, I think everyone in that locker room probably has to realize that they are trending towards something special. I agree. I, I That's one thing uh, I keep trying to uh, believe in with Jonas, and I do see it in Santee. You know, when you watch Jonas carry himself on the court, um, he, he he's still engaged. He just recoils when he gets the ball right now. That That's the part that's tough. And You're talking about Josiah, not Jonas. Yeah, I'm sorry, Josiah. Like, when Jonas gets the ball, Jonas is ready to eat these days. Like, yeah, he has, I he had a drive up. from the perimeter to a dunk you know, against Vanderbilt. I was like, when did he learn how to do that? Yeah. No, I'm sorry, I meant Triple J. So I just think that uh, those guys, I, I, I believe it. They, they, they came back to, to win. That's really it, first and foremost with them. So And, yeah, and you mentioned that about Santis. He is the uh, the old guard in terms of I think they just announced he what he's all time career leader in starts yep. for the basketball program. Mm-hmm. Okay, passing Lofton, passing Houston. Um, so he's he's uh, he's the OG on that team at this point. Um, so I, I agree with you, John. It, it's just we're watching something really great here, and that's why. This week too, as we go into the week today, we're you know we're talking a little bit about a lot of things. But as we get towards Thursday, Friday, we're gonna we're gonna drill down on this basketball team because that Kentucky game is enormous on Saturday. I assume I know the answer, but will you be inside of Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center tonight? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, gonna be there. Another sellout, I believe they said the seventh sellout of the season so far. So it's pretty good when you're selling out your midweek games. Obviously, it's nice that God, that's Vol Nation, as Dalton Connect called them, is out there supporting the boys, even in the midweek, and you know rewarding them for being as good as they are. That's fantastic, but with it being a six thirty start, that means you know what I mean. If you're gonna, traffic, yeah, traffic. and if you're going to go and you know grab a bite, maybe get an adult beverage before the game, it means you're starting at about four thirty probably. Cool. cool beans will be open and popping at four thirty, Bob. Just roll yeah. in there, grab you some uh, cheese beans and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little sandwich and some $3 Jim Beams, and you'll be good to go, ready to go for the South Carolina game tonight. You you might have to walk up that hill. It's a little bit of a trek, but it's fun. The cheese, it's fun. Cheese beans sound good right now. Yeah. Uh, cool beans will be open. We'll continue talking Tennessee basketball after the break. This is the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Since we're talking NIL, that Freddie DeLeon thing is still a little surprising. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Surprising it's not as if – if, if, again, I think it's a good source where I heard it. it it's not that well-known, though. Um, it's not surprising. It's not surprising. Yeah. You can support Tennessee and Tennessee athletes and the NIL collective by going to – the Volunteer Club, and buying the everything polo from our friends at Inward Half. Again, I challenge you to try some Inward Half apparel and tell me you don't like it because you won't be able to. They have elevated and transformed performance-driven apparel. I saw a guy wearing one uh, on Sunday when I went to go get some Chipotle. Or maybe it was Saturday before the game. Guy was rocking an Inward Half hoodie. I said, hey! Inward half? He said, yeah, it's great. I said, you're right. 
I love it too. You can check them out today at inwardhalf.com and look for them in your favorite pro shop. I saw where they were at the the PGA. The PGA, uh, I don't know if it was like a, exactly what, Sam, do you know what that was last week? The PGA, there was like a big event. I saw the inward half was there and doing things. and hmm, I didn't. I know Dobbs was there and they were doing things. I don't know if it was just like a fashion thing or. If Is inward was, half like a PGA sponsor now or? I don't know if they're, I don't think they're a sponsor, but I think like it's just with those, I don't what are they called? The trade, not trade shows, but just basically. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like those type of. Things. I know exactly what you're talking about. Go there and I guess you get. In I front think of there people. was a big golf one like last week. Okay. There was a convention kind of where yeah, like convention. They, yes, that's, yes, that's yes, the yes. word I was looking for. Yeah. I know they were down there doing that. Yep. We're so inwardhalf.com. We appreciate them for their support. Bob, when we first started the show, we kind of looked at the schedule. We looked at Tennessee and this run they needed to go on. Even after the loss to to Mississippi State, we said, "Hey, the goal is to get through January with only one loss." In conference, after North Carolina, he's like, "Hey, you got a chance to really make a run here." You, at the time, we thought we might be on like a 16-game winning streak or whatever it would be. Whenever you played Kentucky, 13 or 14 games. Of course, you you lost one to Mississippi State, and then I remember coming in here and say, "Yeah, but now you need to go on a run and win the next five games, get through January with only one loss." On uh, tonight, they have a chance to do that by beating South Carolina, which would set up a pretty big Kentucky game on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, right now they're pacing. What they're five and one. They're pacing for that fifteen and three that we all balked at at first. Yeah, that's exactly uh, the, the pace they're on. You're right. And um, yeah, so I, I think we're situated well uh, in that regard. Tonight's they're they're all important at this point. Goes without saying, but you know, so they win tonight. They're six and one. Um, the Kentucky game. I, I can't wait to see what that spread will be and I guess there's some things that still need to happen uh Kentucky plays tomorrow night and I'm trying to remember who they play how about that Tennessee finally getting the advantage that that is something that you should highlight when you're talking about just how Tennessee has passed Kentucky in terms of SEC programs yeah and you might push back on that but it's true in the past Kentucky was always the school that got that extra day advantage. They would play on Big Tuesday or Super Tuesday or whatever the hell they call it now, and Tennessee was playing Wednesday night conference games. And almost every time you were playing, you were coming in at a rest disadvantage. Kentucky was always at an advantage there. Not anymore, as Tennessee gets the Tuesday night slot, and Kentucky has to play on Wednesday. Maybe not a big deal, but it is something worth noting. No, it's it's definitely worth noting. And and what I was going to say is, while you were talking, I was looking at, you know, Kentucky has Florida in Rupp tomorrow night. It should win, but, I mean, that's not a, again, not necessarily a gimme, even even on your home court. Um, so I, I think it is a good commentary on where Tennessee stands in the pecking order of the SEC these days. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I – I was as skeptical as anyone when we were talking with Will Warren, and he said it's got to be fifteen and three to get the outright SEC conference title. Fourteen and four, you may get a tie. Um, I don't know. I feel pretty good about it now. I didn't two weeks ago, but um, if they, I'll feel really good about it if they can get through this this entire week. Again, tonight should be a win, and then Saturday against Kentucky because then they they come back next Wednesday against LSU. And then they go on the road to Texas A&M on the tenth, and that's uh, you know that's a tough place to play. We know that. You're talking about pacing. You're talking about fifteen and three. A quick game of agree or disagree. 
I would say that the first six games of the conference schedule, the first third, is the easiest section of the conference schedule, though. Would you agree with that or disagree? I would agree. I would agree. The uh, first six, of course, was Ole Miss at home, at Mississippi State, at Georgia, Florida, Bama, and then at Vandy. Your next six, South Carolina, at Kentucky, LSU, at A&M, at Arkansas, Vandy. Those are your next six. Your next six are tougher than your first six. Do you agree with that? I agree. Sam, do you agree or disagree with that? Uh, I do agree with that, yeah. yeah. And then your last six, just to finish the exercise, uh, you, you play Missouri. at Missouri, yeah. A&M, Auburn, at Bama, at South Carolina, and home against Kentucky. That's also tougher than your uh, your first stretch. Much tougher. Yeah. I, I think that's the toughest stretch, yeah. and we've touched on that a little bit. I think you were saying the last four originally, but – and Missouri looks down, but you know Texas A&M coming into Knoxville, they, they're Tennessee will have to be on their game for sure. I almost, I think I disagree with that. I think this next six is tougher. Really? Just I mean, just because you have the road games. I mean, like in your last six, your road games are Missouri, Bama, and at South Carolina. South Carolina is a, a, a team you've beaten nine of the last ten. And according to our friend Stats by Will, who can't join us today, he's going to join us tom- uh, tomorrow. He says Rick Barnes is 10-0 in their last 10 as favorites against South Carolina. So you don't really lose games you're supposed to against South Carolina. That's a program you've kind of owned. So when I look at the road games of Missouri, Bama, and at South Carolina, to me the ones coming up in this next six of Kentucky, A&M, and Arkansas, those are tougher. I would have agreed with you if we haven't seen the implosion in Fayetteville right now. That team's not very good. I agree. Yeah, but even then, like – that was a six-point game against Kentucky, though. Yeah, they lost, and like you know, maybe you know you you have another two weeks, and by the time Valentine's Day rolls around, you're looking at a Valentine's Day massacre in Fayetteville. Maybe that team has completely quit. And like there was reports yesterday, I saw, or rumors that I saw from from people that report on coaching searches that said that Arkansas's AD is telling people close to him that Musselman's gone at the end of the year, that he is that looking. Was- not, not getting fired, but that he is going to take another job. Like his time in Arkansas is over. Like he is that that's the reason the season's gone so off the rails. That's the reason you had a guard quit. Everyone kind of knows that Musselman is going to take a different job, whether it's Louisville or UCLA, if if Cronin takes the Louisville job or just, you know, wherever that, you know, to, to look for Musselman to be out at Arkansas at the end of the year. They're definitely checked out. I mean, short of a last-second shot against Texas A&M, the, the, they've, they've lost six of seven, but without that last-second shot to beat A&M, they'd be on a seven-game losing streak right now. I mean, they're they are clearly struggling, and it just doesn't – they don't feel like – I've always been a proponent of Musselman coach teams that, yeah, whatever happens at the beginning of the season, just you wait because they, if they get into the tournament, he'll make noise. Well, you know, they're 10-10 and 10 at this point. They're, there's no tournament on the horizon for them. The NIT, maybe. Yeah. They can rally and stay uh, above 500. Yeah. Yeah, they've got to run the table basically coming in. So, yeah, I mean, maybe you're got right. some resume building wins, but nothing. Maybe you're right, Bob. Maybe the fact Arkansas stinks makes this next six not as tough as the final six. Your, your home games during the stretch are, you know, I don't want to say gimme's, but like you should beat Vandy. You should beat LSU at home. And quite frankly, tonight, you should easily win as 14 and a half point favorites. Whereas in your final six, you're looking at A&M should win, Auburn going to be tough, Kentucky going to be tough. Correct. Okay. Fair enough. But, yeah, you're trending for the uh, the 15-3 that you're looking for. 
think so. Jimmy Dykes had high praises yesterday as he kind of ran through the SEC. He got to the juggernaut matchup coming on Saturday. You know, talked about Tennessee, Kentucky, and how big of a game that was. But maybe the more interesting thing, Bob, is that he said, hey, Dalton Connects, the best overall player in the country. Says he's probably not going to win the Wooden Award. Says Zach Eady's dominance is probably going to make it hard not to give it to him. But says for his money, he thinks Dalton he thinks Dalton Connect is the best overall player in college basketball. I love it. I love hearing that. Um, yeah, he he stressed overall a couple of times, uh, and it's kind of the conversation we were having yesterday. Uh, that you think about full toolkit of skills, and what we're seeing with Connect is clearly special and it's nice hearing it from someone outside of uh, the 865 well jimmy's kind of an honorary knoxvillian he, he he gets a lot of tennessee games and he does love his ball so like he he's not completely unbiased i mean this is going back even like six years he always had tennessee at the damn front of his plane right when he does his plane for the bracket and everything <laughs> yes he, he always has tennessee as first class he kept trying to get us in the tournament, I think, during the Conzo era, too. He's like, this team's good. Put them in the tournament. And Barnes, put them in the tournament whenever, you know, you're first getting started. But, you know, he, he loves his Vols. But I do think, you know, that that's the conversation nationally is that Connect is that guy. Yeah. I'm going to be interested to see who uh, who has the call on that Kentucky game. I know it's it's going to be on ESPN, the main ESPN. And, and I'm looking at 8 o'clock games. There's – Iowa State at Baylor is a good game, but it's not the magnitude of Tennessee-Kentucky. Duke-Carolina plays at 6.30. That'll be Billis, right? They'll yeah, put Billis. Billis. I would think Shulman and Billis go there. Then It just makes me wonder who gets the call then for Tennessee. This t- is Tennessee-Kentucky a better game than Houston at Kansas on Saturday? <laughs> 4 o'clock on ESPN. Is that better? Yes. You think so? I think so. I don't think Kansas is playing great ball right now, and I think just – the brand of basketball like we're talking about with Houston, like it's not the most entertaining product. I think Tennessee and Kentucky is going to be fireworks. Well, I, I, I'm not saying that it's going to be better. I guess I'm asking if it's more prestigious. Yeah. Like if ESPN is going to have it higher on the pecking order. Maybe. Because like Tennessee, Kentucky, it is a top 10 matchup. I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't think, unless I'm missing something from the 80s when we're talking five slam and jamma. But like Houston and Kansas, not a rivalry. Yet, I mean, like they're now conference opponents. That that will become the marquee Big Twelve game moving forward, and you know maybe the fact it's the first one makes it special this time. I don't know, but at Kansas, Kansas needs a win. Bill Self, of course, carries a lot of weight. Kansas program has been the premier program in the last three or four years. What time is that game? Like four three, o'clock. Four. Okay. It, it, what's interesting is they've got at least where I'm seeing it. They've got Duke North Carolina slated at six thirty on ESPN. That doesn't make sense. It must be a six o'clock. If you think about it, it would make sense for them to be going. Well, no, Tennessee's eight thirty. So oh, it's eight thirty. Yeah, Tennessee, Kentucky's eight thirty. So uh, six thirty. You're right. I, I think what they're maybe doing is, I guess, are they giving Houston and Kansas time to spill over at four o'clock, and then just saying like we'll do like a little bit of a pregame show to set the scene and do our Duke and Kansas or Duke and North Carolina. You care about this rivalry, even though you haven't cared about this rivalry and in ten years and. Ever since J.J. Redick and Tyler Hansborough were gone, you haven't really cared about this rivalry because it became all freshmen, and we still try to act like it's special because, hey, Tobacco Road and hey, Christian Leitner and Coach K's gone and Roy Williams is gone, and you don't really care about Hubert Davis and, and John Shire, but here you go. It's crazy. I mean, I agree with that, by the way. ACC fans will say that's the most important game of the day. There's no question. But So 
ESPN's got three back-to-back games. All those teams are in the top ten. Yep. That's uh, they're running a big time triple header. Yeah, I would say so. And I think that Kansas Houston game is going to be interesting because for Kansas, it's kind of a kind of a do or die thing. You know, it's maybe overstating it a little bit, but as good as Kansas is, and they're four and three in conference, they they need to win this game. It's in Fog Allen. I mean that that could be that could be a little bit of an ambush for Houston. They're trending to be like a three or four seed is where Kansas is kind yeah. of trending towards. Like they are. A long way away from being a one seed. Right. Can they hold on to a two seed? I don't know. But they're trending towards a three or a four, which in the Bill Self era has kind of been a death nail. Like, he he's, he used to be a choker, right? You used to talk about Kansas losing early in the tournament whenever they'd be around there. He's kind of gotten rid of that reputation. You know, as a one seed and two seed, they kind of just get to the Elite Eight, get to the Final Four. But I, if I'm him, I don't want to get back to those three and 14 matchups. By the way, uh, for the ACC people listening – it's not a rivalry anymore. North Carolina ended that. Like, there's nothing you can do that's ever going to match North Carolina beating Coach K in the Final Four and retiring him, yeah. beating him in his last game at Cameron Indoor, and then ending his career in the Final Four. The rivalry's over. Duke lost. I don't think I ever cheered harder for North Carolina than that time. I don't really cheer for him. That's my point. I was, but I was definitely invested in that game. Wasn't Caleb Love just like unconscious? Yeah, that I'm checks crazy out. in that game. Yeah, because yeah, there, there was a something this year that, like, Caleb Love ended Coach K's career, and then there was a game earlier this season that they beat somebody. Who was it they beat? Like, Caleb Love did it again. It was, oh, yeah, well, Arizona, Arizona beat Duke. Arizona. Yeah, beat Duke yeah, yeah. and Cameron. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah he, I guess has a knack for doing things like that. But, yeah, the triple header on Saturday is, is obviously huge, and I do wonder if Tennessee ranks second or third in terms of their – the rankings of matchups and like where you get the, the announced team, do you get the third team or the second team? That's what I was thinking. It's like, uh, that'll, that'll tell us a lot. Um, who is the second and third team at ESPN? Cause Billis is still first, right? You know, throw Dickie V at eight 30. We got to listen to it, it, it. He's not doing he games yeah, right he's, now. Oh, he's not doing he's games. Not yeah. Right sorry. No, it's sorry, yeah. Billis, <laughs> Billis and you ever heard shoot? my Dickie V story, Bob? No, go ahead. When people ask about my most famous encounters with celebrities, it's probably Dickie V at the SEC Championship in 2000. Would that have been 2019, I guess, against yeah. Auburn? I'm, I had, like, Lexus Lounge passes at, at Bridgestone because uh-huh. the, the person I went with had, you know, corporate seats. And, you know, about 30 minutes before the game, I'm you know, going to go use the bathroom and everything. And out from out of the stall came Dickie V, sweating, covered in sweat. <laughs> and, Bob, I tell you, that was the most foul-smelling <laughs> – Toilet I used. It was all streaked up inside the bowl. It was ah, stop. It's all right. We're good. Did you give him commentary as he walked yeah. out? I like, said, oh, oh it's baby. incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I said, oh, baby, you need to put a diaper on, diaper dandy. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was the foulest smell, Bob. And I used to work on the farm and dealt with dead animals all the time. What 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 died inside of Dickie V was worse. I can't match that story with anything, man. That's uh, that's rough. He was sweating. He was covered in sweat when he was coming out. <laughs> he, I never forget. He come out. He was wiping his brow off. He was he was hitting the top of his head. Did he say anything to you? We just no. made eye contact. He he knew not to say anything. He's like, that has to be a terrible feeling too. Like being a famous person. Yeah, oh yeah. And knowing somebody's coming in right behind you in the bathroom. That's got because like he probably. I mean, he doesn't remember. But he probably knew at the time that guy's going to know that, that Dickie V did this to the bathroom and he's going to tell all of his friends. It's a lot of pressure. I wonder if Jay Williams <laughs> Jay Williams may be on that Duke-Carolina game, too. 
instead of Billis? No, as a third or something. I could see that um, because ESPN has such love for Duke anyway. I would say I would be surprised if they ran out two Duke guys. That would you'd have people crying about that. You'd have Carolina fans crying about that. Yeah. And they're they're a respected enough program to not get completely thrown to the side. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Jimmy Dykes may be showing up in Knoxville. That might be why he was given so much love. Maybe. Tonight I know it's Tom Hart and, and Dane Bradshaw. It's awesome, baby. The Capital A. <laughs> Hour two in the books. Hour three coming at you. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. We'll open the phone lines up all of hour number three. If you want to weigh in, the floor can be yours. 865-546-8200. If you want to weigh in, we're talking Tennessee basketball. 865-546-8200. Whenever we talked about the NIL money and the guys we thought were the best compensated, I said Zakai. Bob, you said he got nominated for uh, an award yesterday? Yes, they uh, rolled out the uh, candidates. I don't think there's a big wave of selection process. I think they name 10 candidates, and he's one of them. And it's for the Bob Cousy Award, which is for the nation's best point guard. You know, they have these awards. Uh, I think there's uh, the Julius Irving Award, which Connect may be in. That's for small forwards um, or wings. And then, you know, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award for best postman. They just model it after all these NBA greats. At what point do we rework those? Will those be the Bob Cousy Awards forever? Great question. Like, I mean, like, can we switch it to, like, the Jay Williams Award? I mean, I don't know if that's the best point guard of my lifetime, but eventually, you know, like, those guys are going to be 30 years removed. Like, we're already kind of at that stage. So, like, you know, does Kuzi get to keep it for the rest of his life? The Chris Paul Award. Yeah, I mean, Chris Paul was great. I yeah. mean, I don't know if he had the best college career. I feel like Jay Williams was probably better in college than Chris Paul. Yeah. Of course, Chris Paul became a great NBA player. Right. Pete Maravich, I mean, I guess that's the same problem, though, of being, like, 50 years ago. Yeah, but, I mean, that's the thing. If you think about Julius Irving, I don't think, you know, he's probably a fine college player at UMass, but, I'm, you know, that that's one that I think, They've named it based on his body of work in the NBA. Oh, really? Okay. I think. Okay. You know, I, I don't know. I assume that he was a beast in college, too, is, is kind of what I assume. I'm but. sure he was good. but So there's uh, there's 10 candidates for that award. Some of these are familiar names. Um, but Zakai Ziegler's in there, obviously. That's why we're talking about this. Uh, Jamal Shedd from University of Houston, who we just talked about earlier in the show. Definitely a worthy candidate. Dewan Harris Jr. from Kansas. Tyler Colick, who was um, he was a preseason All American, I think, at Marquette. Um, yeah, really solid point guard. They uh, always have just one of those point guards there. Yeah, Javon Quinterly, the he of the thirty three year old uh, college career at we Memphis. We got a couple fifth year guys on our team, Bob. You can't keep saying that. But uh, he's played at three schools, man. That does make it look worse. Yeah, um, Boo Bowie, who is an All Dame guy for sure at Northwestern, and he Boo is Bowie. He is a gamer, man. He is a tough, Dog. tough player. From where? Northwestern. Northwestern. I haven't watched a second of Northwestern yeah. basketball. Only watch I, them at home. I honestly don't think I've ever watched a second of Big Ten basketball this year that wasn't Tennessee-related with Michigan State or Wisconsin. I don't think I've watched. 
I guess I watched a little bit of maybe Purdue in the tournament after they beat us. I watched Purdue versus Marquette. Is yeah. that right? Purdue Marquette. Yeah. Right. I watched that. So I guess I did watch some Big Ten minutes. But um, another SEC guy, Wade Taylor the the fourth, um, Tristan Newton from UConn, who's really solid player. This guy's name I can never pronounce. He was an NCAA tournament star at Oral Roberts. He's now playing at Texas. Max Obmus. Obmus. But it I, sounded like on the broadcast they were saying a, like Asmus. Yeah, exactly. Like There's yeah. like an S in the middle of his last yeah. name, but it's not there. It's yeah. pronounced that way. Um, and then there's one more. Isaiah Stevens from Colorado State. So Zakai may not win this thing, but it's of course it's nice to have one of our guys that's not Dalton Connect. We hear about him all the time. Uh, get you know mentioned in some uh, some postseason accolades and. Um, I don't know. It would it would seem to me maybe someone like Jamal Shedd or Tyler Collick's probably top of the list there. Yeah, there was a part of me before I get to Zakai though. I just want to point out. I looked up Dr. J's college stats. Yeah, he was pretty good. How was he? Average. He played two years. He averaged twenty six points and twenty rebounds. So twenty. Yeah, rebounds. He, was, he was pretty that's, good. Yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah, he, he was pretty good at UMass. You know, I, I don't know if he won any awards or anything, but yeah, twenty six and twenty. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. But again, 50 years ago, can we update these awards? That was se- he graduated or left school, I guess, in 71. It's 50, 53 years ago. We don't have we, let's update the names. Let's get the the uh the JJ Redick for the best shooting guard or the Adam Morrison or, you know, I don't know. Let's keep that in mind. But yeah, Zakai, I got to be honest, I was a little surprised that he made the list of 10 just because I guess maybe this isn't the case, but I assumed in college a, that most of these awards are statistically driven. And I was surprised that like 10 points and five assists would get you on that list. I mean, I know he gets credit for being a really good defender and he's pesky and those things, but his season average is just 10 and five. It's true. That's, that was surprising to me that that was worthy of being on the, on the top 10, although I don't know what the rest of the point guards around the country are, are averaging or doing. I feel like this kind of goes back to what we were saying yesterday, Bob, how like guard play just feels a little bit down in college basketball this year, maybe. Well, it's definitely there's been there's uh, it feels like a brighter light being shined on big men this year yeah. than we've seen in the past, and yeah, and so maybe that is reflective of guard play being down. Um, I mean, I think again, there's in that list there are some guys that when I'm and you know loves a guy. Tennessee fan, but if you match him statistically, to your point, John, up against a Jamal Shedd or a Dewan Harris or a Tyler Colick, it's uh, or a Boo Booey, it's uh, it'd be it, I, again, I'd, it'd be wonderful if he won this award. I don't see him winning this award. Oh yeah, no, I mean, I think I think the accolade there is just being nominated. Correct. The accolades being nominated there and being recognized as one of the ten best point guards in the country, and quite frankly, that's good enough for Tennessee. Like. Tennessee doesn't need him. Like I, I don't know exactly the rest of that list. You guys will probably have a better idea. But like I'd imagine most of those guys are the go-to guys on their team, or at least like one or two of the go-to guys. Like for me, it's a cast third on our list. That's a fair assessment, I think. Yeah. You know, maybe not the top dog on every team, but I'd imagine they're at least number two. And yeah, Zakai's the second, you know, most handling the ball and you know usage rate and you know creating opportunities, but. I think Jonas has passed him in terms of, of what we ask of our players to do scoring-wise and doing other things. But also, like, it comes down to getting a bucket. I think we'd all rather have Santee shooting, too. And like Zakai on that list kind of feels like the one who is maybe 
least equipped to be like that bucket getter type guy. He feels like the most just point guard, like yeah. true point guard guy. I mean, part of that has to be because of his size. I mean, yeah. I get that, but also like he doesn't have to do it, and he is better equipped at setting people up and and being kind of the the bulldog type of point guard that you want. A guy that's just going to guard you seventy feet, make your try to make your life hell, get on your nerves, get some steals. And, you know, make some big plays offensively when he has to. You know, you go back to the Georgia game and wasn't necessarily getting your buckets, but it was getting to the free throw line and, you know, keeping your team in the game and, and being Dalton Connect's running mate. And the last three games, he's kind of gone back to that 10 points a game score. But the first three games of conference play, when you needed him to, he was giving you 17, 20 points a game. You know, it's interesting. I'm just doing some quick searches on stats for some of these other candidates. They're all pretty similar surprisingly, you know, Dewan Harris only averages about eight points a game. Um, uh, Tyler Colick averages 14. Um, Jamal Shedd only averages 12 and a half. The guy who has so far that I've seen that's got the highest Newton. statistical ceiling is Boo Booey. Really? 18 and a half points a game. Huh. What kind of assists is he looking at with 18 points a game? Let's look at that. I would have thought it's Tristan Newton. I think that's the best Oh, yeah. Overall I haven't player. gotten to him yet, but um, Boo Booey averages three and a half rebounds a game. Where's his assist? Here we go. Five and a half assists a game. Okay. It's a pretty good line. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, because I'm, I'm trying to think, like in college, there's only so many points, you know, that get scored. I mean, you're looking at 70 points a game, basically, and if you're scoring 20, to pass out another 10 or 15 points in assists is a pretty big deal. So, like, Zakai at the very minimum, is is responsible for Tennessee scoring 20 points. At the very minimum. 10 points a game and five assists. Like, that's five times two is 10. 10 plus 10 is 20. Of course, some of those are going to be threes. He's going to create some opportunities in, in free throws. He's going to create some opportunities with hockey assists where, you know, the pass is leading to the pass. So that that is impressive. But, yeah, Tristan Newton, like you're talking about, Sam, he's averaging 16, 6, and 6. Yeah, exactly. Across yeah. the board for, for UConn, who is – you know, lost their three best players or three of their top players from last year's championship team and are kind of right back there on the doorstep with a chance to, to repeat and be one of those teams again. Yeah, so it's it's really interesting because now you look at all these, There's it is kind of a commentary on guards in college basketball right now because there's some of the – well, we have this conversation about player of the year, right? You know, there's Edie, and now there's Dalton Connect. There's not, there's not guards. Um, well, that's what I was going to ask. Who else is on the list right now for player of the year? I, I know that, like, odds-wise, it's kind of just a two-team race, but is there anybody else that's going to be, like, mentioned? Like, who, where are the All-American teams? Like, who are, all, are All-American guards? Is Newton going to be one of those? Because when I see 16, 16 points, 6.5 rebounds, and 5 uh, – or 6.4 uh, – 6.4 rebounds, 5.8 assists on a team that's like top ranked defending champions. Like most years, that gets you like national player of the year buzz, or at least like gets you in the conversation. I haven't really seen Tristan Newton's name often, which is surprising to me. RJ Davis is another one yeah. in North Carolina. Yeah, um, yeah he, I, he is. He's kind of in the, the front runner for All American, right? At the guard position. Yeah. I think I, I saw. That's a guy who's honestly filling up the stat sheet, you know, kind of like Dalton Connect, but obviously playing lesser competition over there in the ACC. I would expect Dickinson to get some, a little bit of shine maybe for it. Maybe like 
Filipowski at Duke. I don't know. It, it really does feel like it's only a two-man race there for, for the Wooden. I agree. I mean, Hunter Dickinson was you know one of the leaders at the beginning of the season. He's probably not even the best player on his team yeah. right now. I mean, Kevin McCuller is playing out of his mind this season. So um, I think you're right. I think it's probably Edie and Connect with uh, R.J. Davis, maybe Filipowski on the periphery. Davis has given you like 24 and 4 about like yeah, RJ Davis. Yeah, in conference play, it's stats for the season. Which I mean, I I think conference play matters more. I wish I you could easily sort this. Which somebody did send me something that you can on Basketball Reference. You can do just conference play only for your stats. I need to look into that. But I think you should add Power Five games in there too, or Power Six, whatever you want to call it. Like RJ Davis should get credit for what he did against Tennessee, mm-hmm. or Doc Connect should get credit for what he did against North Carolina. Edie should get credit for what he did against Tennessee when you're looking at like those those arguments and take away some of the bot games and like I don't care that Don Connect probably averaged like twelve points or fourteen points in his non important non conference games, right? Like against Tarleton State when he came out and scored like six points. I don't want that to weigh down the games that matter. I wish there was an easier way to kind of filter that out because I feel like if you just took the games that matter for Connect, his scoring goes from twenty points a game probably to like twenty five. Yeah, I agree. The Athletics uh, midseason uh, All-American teams have Tristan Newton and Connect both on the second team. Yeah, I was going to say, that Connect is the second teamer at that point, yeah. though. Like I, I do think that you know, that was last week when it came out, I yeah. believe. Connect's play has way into the first. Who, who are the first-team All-Americans that he's chasing? Um, on this article, I just exited it. Let me pull it back up. Oh. There was Edie, uh, sure. Kevin McCuller. Okay. Um. Filipowski and R.J. Davis and uh, Jaden Ledee from San Diego State. So they're going to tell me if Filipowski's having a better year than Dalton Connect? I know, right? And maybe he is. I mean, I haven't seen anybody talking about Filipowski. Like, maybe he's just been solid and he's an 18-10 and 10 guy and he's getting the Duke rub. But it seems crazy to me that he would be in line for an All-American spot over Connect, which I tried to get too bogged down with this, and I did find myself getting rolled up, Bob, and arguing with somebody on Twitter yesterday, <laughs> or just kind of taking the time to actually add up the stats of SEC play because those one of those damn Twitter accounts got to me, trying to make it a three-team race for SEC Player of the Year, and I'm I'm tired of like the yeah. the, the Antonio Reeve stuff. I'm tired of the Mark Sears stuff. Like I watched Mark Sears coming to Knoxville and get shut down. I ain't seen anybody shut down Dalton Connect yet in SEC play. I watched Mark Sears do it. You could look at his final numbers and say they're okay, that's fine. Dalton Connect had 25 points in a bad game. But, yeah, like when you start looking at like the games that matter and you start adding in the conference play stats and, you know, Connect's shooting 54% and 46% from three in SEC play so far. Yeah. And to me, that's the biggest, Davis, that's the biggest difference with someone like R.J. Davis who's shooting 43% from the field. That, that's why he's not quite at that same level getting recognized, recognized as a scorer. 21 points a game, but yeah, 43% for the film. Let's go to break. We'll hit the phone lines when we get back. It is the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Tennessee, South Carolina tonight. Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center. Bob will be there. Sam, you going? You going to be there? Uh, I don't have a ticket, actually. I forgot to get one. What's the process like for students to get tickets? Can you not just I could get, probably one still get one anytime? Yeah, I could probably still get one. I don't know. You don't how have much school the... spirit, Sam? Do you not support the boys? I like watching basketball on TV. I don't know if that's a boomer take or not, but 
I think I don't like of, watching I think it. That is kind of a boomer take. Okay. I like watching basketball in person. I like, okay. Football, honestly, I kind of agree with you. But basketball, I love watching in person. Personally, I'm the opposite. I like football in person. I like basketball on TV. Not so like going to big football games and yelling, but like I'm there to yell and and drink and give out high fives. Like actually watching the game is it's hard to pay as close of attention like on the yeah. yardage and things like that. Yeah, hear things like basketball. It's very clear. Like what? True. Yardage is tough. I like seeing the movement of the players on the field. I think you know you get a better. It's nice you, when, obviously, when you see a wide receiver breaking deep and yeah, the crowd kind yeah. of cheers. I, I do like watching football there, but basketball, I love watching in person. I'm just kind of surprised that you don't feel the same, especially in the student section. Well, I mean, maybe it's, the one it's just line. South Carolina, too, like a midweek You're game. You're a top five team, Sam. It's a sellout. <laughs> if, if, if people could buy tickets, you could go for free. Is Big Game John telling me to go to a midweek basketball no, game right now? No, you're not Big Game Sam, are you? <laughs> you're not Big Game Sam, are you? Every game you get to watch Dalton Connect in person is something that you is should true. be. That is true. That, that might something make me you buy a should ticket. be soaking in as a student. That might make me get a ticket tonight. You only got a you know a handful or you know what what fifteen twenty games left to this guy. Yeah, the yeah. best scorer in in your lifetime in Tennessee basketball. Absolutely. I mean, Chris Lofton. You're like four when he was born. So I mean, he was in your. I lifetime. remember Chris Lofton though. Yeah, but not not as a educated basketball. Sure, fan. sure, sure. Sam, savor the moments, man. Remember my dog. Remember what I told you yesterday. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll go to the game tonight. <laughs> just put on the bear and, and watch that one episode where the woman's you know talking about her dad and every second counts, right? That's the that's the motto she stole yes. from his dad, her dad, and he was journaling across the world, and you just need to make every moment count. Every second counts, Sam. You're, you're in college. You're running out of time. I am. Yeah. You're like Dalton Connects. You're running out of time. How many home games are left? Five. Mm. Six. About six, I'd say. You got A and M, LSU, South Carolina, Kentucky, Auburn, maybe five. L- you said LSU. I did say LSU. Maybe Vanderbilt. Did you say Vanderbilt? No. So you got six. Vanderbilt coming up. You got six games left as a student, Sam. Yeah. Unless I fail you. Unless I unless I tell your your person that's in tra- <laughs> that I'm in charge of your internship, and I say no, he's not good enough. He he didn't come. He didn't show up. I thought, yeah, it's not, and it's not just about Dalton Connect. It's your last chance to see Josiah. It's your last chance to see mm, Santi. It's, yeah, it's about Dalton Connect. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's, it's about Dalton. Um, <laughs> hey, what, a, what if tonight's the night he scores forty? All right, all right, I'll go to the game. It's free. I'll go to the game. Yeah, just go to Cool Beans before. <laughs> <laughs> Meet Bob there. You guys could have a couple whiskeys and a, a couple cheese beans and go. Okay, I won't be there because I don't have a free ticket. But you know. Anyways, Bob, you said you were about to change oh, the subject. No, nah, somebody posted on X, uh, uh, said in regards to your, your Dickie V story, this person said, I ran into Danny Ferry at Bridgestone during the SEC tournament one year in the restroom, I'm guessing. He wrote, didn't wash his hands. So everybody's got their brush. I thought of, uh, this is not a bathroom thing, but when I was in Vegas, um, I bumped into well, I didn't bump into him. I saw him at the at the roulette table. Gene Cady, who is a Hall of Fame coach, I'm a Purdue guy growing up. I was like, I gotta say hi to Coach Cady. I have to, got to. And I went up to him and I said, Hey, Coach, you know, big fan. And I've had good luck when I've done this before with some other big time name guys, and uh, they usually are responsive. I said this to Cady, and he just looked at me and he goes. Yeah, thanks. And then turned his back on me. And that was it. And I think maybe afterwards, in hindsight, as I post mortem, did I was like, 
He was at the roulette table. He was probably, you know, he's probably like, man, I want some time to myself. Get the hell away from He also me. might have been down like $4,000 for all you know. Like, Very true. Talking to someone in the casino is uh, is a dangerous game. It is a game of roulette yes. in, in itself, Bob, because if you're on a heater, you don't want anybody bothering you Yeah. because you don't want to mess up your mojo. And if they're losing, you don't want to be bothered then. You're losing, too. So, like, really, there's no good time to talk to somebody at the casino. Actually, it's not a game of roulette. It's just a leave me alone. You know what would have been funny is if I had gone up to him and said, hey, coach, big fan, and he looks at me and goes, hey, coach McDermott, what's going on? <laughs> would have been a good one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the most famous person I saw at the casino and at least had, like, an interaction with was the mom or the grandmother from Crisley Knows Best. Oh, my God. Are you familiar with that show? You're good for you. Are you familiar with that show? I am. I am. I've well, never watched it, but I'm familiar with it. Well, apparently that's a bit on the show is how much she likes gambling. And I actually just saw her at the casino one day. Like she took a bus up with like her, her old friends and they were she was there playing some blackjack. Just, Getting in character. There are no TV cameras around. No, she was just she was living the gimmick. <laughs> she likes gambling, which you know, that story's less cool after her son he got sentenced to twelve years in prison for fraud. Mm. Crisley did not know best when it came to how he handled his his bank loans and, and his taxes and all that. He, he did not know best. He is doing 12 years in prison. The other famous person, you won't know him, but I saw him in uh, Vegas and he is no longer with us. Um, so I can talk freely about this. He was hammered and he was just kind of traipsing down the whole, uh, casino runway was Charles Kuralt from CBS News, uh, like a legendary correspondent, but... He had been overserved somewhere. So uh, those were my brushes in Vegas. And I just got a text from uh, my wife, a.k.a. Safety Sue, and she said, you need to take Sam to a basketball game. She's a big fan of Sam, <laughs> by the way. So uh, I was like, okay, gotcha. She's uh, So she's she's rooting for you, Sam. you got to go to a game. got to go, man. And she, I might have to just go tonight and meet up with Safety Sue. <laughs> yeah. <there you> go. <laughs> I've always been afraid to approach anybody and talk to them. Like, I, I don't speak to anybody. And, like, if I did see somebody, I maybe go my head nod. I'm not going to say, like, I'm a big fan just because I don't like bothering people. And then, like, growing up in my, like, my high school formative years, I heard the story of, like, Michael Jordan and Chameleon Air. You familiar with Chameleon Air, Sam? Rapper, Riding Dirty. You probably heard Riding Dirty, okay, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he had talked about meeting Michael Jordan, like, his idol at a party and how he, like, tried to go up and talk to him. And Michael Jordan just looked at him and said, like, basically, he asked for a picture. He's like, I'm not pay- taking a picture with any dudes. It's essentially what I told him. like, get out of here, weirdo. Like, there's girls around. I'm not taking a picture with a dude. And that always kind of always kind of scared me to talk to people. Because if I do like somebody, if they're a jerk to me, I don't want to. You can only get let down. Go, usually. No, I think you, could, I think you well, could be. I don't, I don't think you can only be let down. But chances are you're going to be let down. Now, me, Bob, as a local celebrity myself, I've run into many people out that want to talk to me. So I keep that in mind. I try to be very friendly to everybody. But I will admit, typically, if I'm out drinking and they talk to me, I do struggle with names. And there are plenty of people that I've met a couple times. I say, nice to meet you. You're like, bro, we talked last week or we talked a month ago. You remember me? I'm like, ah, sorry. I drink drink a lot when I'm out. I'm like, oh, okay. Fair enough. But I try to be nice because there was one guy that said I was a jerk. And he went on the internet and was saying I was a jerk to him. And, you know, that's all it takes for the narrative to form. And he said I was a jerk because I wouldn't take shots with him. I was like, I don't want to take a shot. No. I was like, I appreciate the offer. I stood and talked to him for five minutes. He's like, take a shot with me. I was like, I don't want a shot. I don't want one. I don't think that's on you. I didn't think so either, but I'm very cautious about it. I'm very, I'm very conscious of it when I go out. I want to, want to make sure people think that I am at least not a jerk. That's my goal as a local celebrity, Bob.
No, that's good. Um, noted. Um, Next time somebody asks me for a picture, that's what I'm going to tell them. I don't take pictures of dudes. <laughs> Pull the chameleon air line. Yeah. Jordan line. Yeah, well, I've got a lot of stories. We won't bog the audience down with them, but they have... Yeah. I want to deep dive at some point. Maybe that's an off-season topic, though, about all your famous encounters. I mean, because working where you used to work and, and, and with E yeah. and with Howard Stern, I'm sure you have rubbed shoulders and been around some very famous people and, and have some stories. Won't put you on the spot now, but like just be prepping that for a couple months from now. Yeah, I have been very fortunate in that regard, and um, and most of them have been really nice. There's been a couple jerks. Yeah, but... see, those are the only ones I care about. I want to, I want to know who the jerks are. <laughs> but the nice I want to know ones... who Big Boyd's uh, Yeah. D- Coach Kading. I'll be honest, it took me a second to remember who Coach Kading was. Yeah, it's Katie. Katie, sorry. It um, took me a while to remember who he was. That's the Purdue, the older Purdue coach, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he he ended up retiring because yeah. he, he needed to. The program was about to crash. Yeah, yeah. Um, I eventually got there. Did you know who that was? Can you picture him? He was one of those coaches that stand out, like not physically like imposing, but just like he had a very distinct look. Like he, and he was on TV so much. Had a had an epic comb What's over. his first name? Gene. Yeah. Gene Katie. Yeah. He... Uh, he had, like, the worst comb-over of all time. Man. I'm laughing at him just probably being so annoyed at you talking to him yes. at the casino. Yeah, and Leave I, me alone. Yeah, I was so, like, giddy. I was like, man, it's you. <laughs> it was, like, bad play on my part. But uh, Did he win anything of significance at Purdue? No, he got him to, uh, to two Elite Eights, and that was it. Okay. Never I, was say, I know he had a long career there and, like, had some success, but I didn't know if he had, he had You know, he had, it was his Glenn Robinson team that was probably the best team he ever had, and they got to the Elite Eight, and they came up against Duke and Grant Hill. And That's tough. Duke beat them. And then they got to the Elite Eight one more time against Wisconsin, who was coached by Tony Bennett's dad, and it was the most Wisconsin team ever. They were just grind and score 50, 55 points a game, and they got to the Final Four that year. It was the year Michigan State won it all, like in 2001. or. So has Purdue ever made a Final Four? Yes. Okay. They've made a couple. Okay. Last one was in 1980. But okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, I had somebody ask, are you a Purdue alum? Did you go there? You're no, I have, okay. I have family that went there. Um, I'm a huge Purdue fan, grew up a Purdue fan. I went to Indiana State University. That's right. You've told me that. You've which is why that. we talk a little bit about how the Sycamores are – Fair enough. Kind of a sexy team this year for NCAA tournament. Yeah, because people are complaining, like, tell Bob we don't care about Purdue, we hate Purdue, and you can't be a Tennessee fan and like Purdue. And I'm like, he's an alum, give him a break. And I was like, actually, I don't think he's an alum. But, <laughs> yeah. like, he's a fan, he's stamped, he's from there. Oh, I get yeah. him a break. We yeah. let Will Warren come on here and talk about Michigan. That's it. I mean, yeah. 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 Now, does Michigan have a blood rivalry with Tennessee like Purdue does? No. No, they don't, but it's close. I mean, actually, Michigan might. Yeah. Between I mean, the three tournament. Exits the last 13 years. I mean, I actually hate Michigan basketball, at least, just as much as Purdue. They didn't cheat us out of a Music City Bowl win or anything like no, that. No, last time that Tennessee played Michigan in football, they rolled them. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Okay. Well, we'll wrap up this show after the break. It's the morning show here on <laughs> Fan Run Radio.